Alliance of Women Filmmakers, this is Visionary Voices, behind-the-scenes conversations with groundbreaking women and non-binary filmmakers from around the world. I'm Diana Means. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in today. We are joined by director Hala El Kush talking about her film, The Perfect Picture, which won Best Creative Documentary in the Women Voices Now Film Festival. In The Perfect Picture, the filmmaker attempts to fix a traumatic event that took place over a year ago. Filmmaker Hala resides away from her parents in a singular closed space. After preparing, she invites her parents and insists on revisiting the incident by overcoming her fear of communication with her parents. But things don't go as planned. Hala, welcome to the show. Hello, Diana. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start off by learning a little bit more about you and your journey into filmmaking. Well, um, I'm, yes, originally Lebanese, uh, but I left Lebanon when I was nine months old. And then I like spent half of my, almost all of my childhood in Nigeria. That's where I grew up. I spent almost 14 years there. And then I moved back to Lebanon for my studies um, and I studied uh, filmmaking cinema. So I have a BA in cinema and a master's in film directing, and it was specialized in cinema therapy. And then I understand that you were a cinema teacher? Yes. I also worked uh, with an NGO and one school. I was a film teacher. Um, We helped students to actually like make films from scratch. And that was at, was the school called Action for Hope or was that the name of the program? Yeah, that was the NGO that I worked in as a film teacher for three years. And the school, the other school is called Al-Hayat School, uh, where I also taught for about a year. And then how did you make the transition from teaching to actually filmmaking yourself? Honestly, it was kind of by coincidence. Uh, The first fiction film I made uh, was entitled Fishing Out of the Sea. And um, it also won a lot of film festivals internationally, but also nationally in Lebanon. So that was how my career in filmmaking had started. And then someone had hunted me and actually wanted me to uh, start teaching film, although I had no clue how to teach film. But I felt like I felt it in my gut. And like my intuition told me that I can teach. And then I just went along with it. I did a bit of research and I asked a bit of questions. I uh, talked to my doctors. I just get a bit of a background of how to actually teach because I feel like teaching is a very delicate thing to do. It's a very delicate job. And it was honestly the best decision I had ever taken because that's when I discovered my second passion. and. Maybe I can also call it my purpose in life. I came to realize how much I genuinely and deeply love sharing with people who feel like they want to learn how to express themselves better through the medium of film. So that's that's how it happened. 
And was this your first short film or did you do other films before this? No, I had done uh, several short films uh, before that, almost uh, 14 short films before that. But I used to do like fiction films, experimental films, but I, I had never done a documentary film. So this was my first documentary ever, but also the like my most recent film. First documentary and already a best creative documentary. The thing that jumped out at me about the perfect picture was the title, because I feel like people publicly present a perfect picture, but you never know what's going on behind the scenes. And the way that you chose, the way that you chose to tell the story with all of the happy photographs alongside the dialogue of what was really happening uh, was just, you know, truly uh, captivating to me. Talk to us about your cinematic choices in this film. Honestly, my cinematic choices uh, in the film are highly inspired by the reality that lingers and happens in every person's home. I think that every one of us tends to mask what is truly happening inside our own homes. And specifically when it comes to um, the parents, they always tend to try, and I don't blame parents, but they always try to like show everyone around them, like society, friends, and other family members, or even their own kids, that everything is just perfectly fine. You know, maybe two parents are going through a divorce, but they're acting in front of their children, that everything is okay. when. Things are actually not okay. And I was fed up with the the irony and the hypocrisy that was happening inside my own home. And honestly, for a second, to imagine myself being a mom later on in the future, I could not accept this to be happening inside my own home. So that's why I actually wanted to no longer mask the reality. And I wanted to show the truth as is, even if it meant hurting my fam- my own family. Um, at a certain point, I know I, I got criticized a lot because people thought that I was being selfish. But I don't think um, stating the truth is being selfish because it spoke to the world. This film spoke to the world because of its timeless um, subject. And I just feel like everyone deserves to know that this is the truth. Therefore, each person that's actually watching the film um, resonated with the with the film and all of the characters, not just the generation of my parents, but also my generation, you know? So that's why I took the personal choices that I made in the, in the film. And speaking of it resonating, I mean, the film really resonated with me and I would think would resonate with everyone because the idea, first of all, of confrontation you know, some people can't confront someone just because they're afraid of the reaction. And I was interviewing yeah. another filmmaker writer who told, a, you know, a very true story. And it was like, what gave you the courage to tell the story? And the response was, I finally realized that my experience can't be somebody else's secret. And so it's very a very resonating story. And then for you to have it about your own family, you know, this was very personal as it's starring you and your parents and you showed such raw vulnerability throughout the film. Now, what was it like being so raw on camera 
and talk to us about the challenges in filming your family and making this, you know, very personal. Um, honestly, the film was the hardest film I had ever done in my life. And to me, I believe would be the hardest film I ever do in my life. Maybe 10 years from now, I would watch this film and maybe just fall into so many like tears. Because it's not easy. It's I love my parents and I'm sure my parents love me and I'm sure that no one would ever want to just put their family on screen and their issues and just put them out there and let like your personal uh, story and your personal family become an example for the world. You know, it was very hard. But I think the pain that I was going through was even harder and the pain I was going through for so long on my own was what drove me to just keep going because I needed to let this out. Keeping all of the, the anger and the resentment I, I had towards my, my family, both my parent, my mom and my dad, um, was going to like not let me live in peace for the rest of my life. And I'm not the type of person to hold grudges. And I couldn't accept the idea of not being able to communicate with my family. And I felt like family is supposed to make you feel safe. And it's supposed to be the place where you actually go to and talk about whatever topic you want to talk about, especially when you're petrified and so scared, you know? So I had this constant dilemma in my head um, of wanting to talk, but also being extremely afraid of talking because I would not expect what my father's reaction would be especially when like someone has a bit of anger management and then you have your mom who's constantly masking um, the, the reality of the character, you know? So yeah, I don't know if this, uh, this answers your, um, your question. Oh, absolutely. And you spoke about your mom. And one of the things that I noticed in the film was she seemed to be talking a lot about your place and knowing your place and being quiet and you shouldn't have said anything. And, you know, how much of that was her just kind of driving this, you know, stereotypical, you know, women staying at home and being quiet? And how much of that is the culture where you're from? That's what I came to realize um, right now. And I realized what you just said uh, because I've been in so many relationships in my life. And I came to realize that I'm in a way masking or duplicating my mom's actions for in, in my personal relationships. And so I start to maybe ignore the things that maybe do bother me. And I don't speak up for them because I'm constantly afraid that maybe I would lose the person in front of me. So... um I also came to like ask my mom about her personal past and how maybe her mom used to also like stay quiet and not talk about whatever bothers her because that's just how she was raised. So I think it's a huge problem of it's a generational issue that is passed on from decade to another decade. And I just wanted to break the stigma because I do not accept and I do not want to go through this in my own future family nor with my own daughter or son. I would not want to have my daughter or son create an entire film just because they felt like they couldn't communicate uh, to me or with me in real life. I just feel like this is entirely absurd. And that's why I wanted to break this stigma, this dilemma of, I don't want women to be afraid. What are we afraid of? What 
what's the worst that can happen? Are we going to get hit? Are we going to get killed? Are we going to what? I just feel like women should speak up for whatever hurts them, regardless of the consequences. Just because I feel like this, speaking up for what you, um, for what you believe in is just going to set you free. It's going to set boundaries and standards for the person that's in front of you to actually know how to communicate with you, what's okay and what's not okay. Because once you're silent, that's when people start to like feel, okay, then I can step all over her. She's never going to say anything, you know? No, absolutely agree. And that's so important what you said about setting that boundary and that expectation, because we do in the end have control over the way we let other people treat us. Now, do you Mm -hmm. feel that this film broke any kind of stigma in your family or that you healed from it? Definitely, 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 100%. Um, The the healing process did not happen instantly and it did not happen as fast as I thought it would happen because I had, I I really, like the the child in me, like the little hello, the baby hello, had so much hope that I was actually going to achieve the perfect picture uh, during the, the film. Um, and then I went through a second trauma when everything did not go as planned during the film and I had to sleep outside of my own house for a couple of days at my friend's house. So I went through this entire other dilemma and I felt like later on, two years later, um, a year and a half later right now, I feel like I cut this um, umbilical cord between me, my mom, and my dad. And, you know, there's a saying here in the Arab culture where they say, as much as you grow, you're always still going to be our child. We're always going to see you as if like you're our baby. But right now, I feel like my parents respect me. They respect my uh, opinion. And I can literally go and talk to them about whatever it is. I no longer have this fear of talking to my dad or confronting him. It has drastically changed and my relationship with them drastically changed for the better. But it took a lot of time after the film. Now, in speaking of your father, I noticed there were several times throughout the film where he would look up and say, the camera's not on right now, right? And so I'm wondering, and of course the camera was on, (laughs) but I'm wondering, (laughs) did your parents see the film and is there anything that they made you cut? or leave out of the film before you finalized it and sent it off to festivals? Okay. Um, so my parents were actually not aware when I was like, as, as it is shown in the film, they were not aware that I was recording while they thought the camera was off. But that was a very important factor to me because I felt like my parents were not being my parents because of this tool, this element, the camera that just makes everyone become uncomfortable and no longer become their authentic self. So that's why I had to do what I had to do, just in order like to grasp the truth and the reality of who they actually are. So they did not watch the film. They did not watch the film because I, I think it was a personal choice that they, they had taken. Like they never asked me, you know, hello, we want to watch the film. Let us see the film. Because if they were to ask, And they always listen to all of my interviews. Uh, I would show them the film. But um, I personally cut a lot of things uh, from what happened during the shoot because I felt like it was no longer important to know why we are fighting, my family and I. 
I felt like the bigger uh, issue was the fact that we actually were not being able to communicate about the issue. So in a way, the issue no longer became the issue. The issue was that we're not being able to communicate about the issue. So yeah, I I took the, the decision and the choice to cut off many of the scenes because I was going to publicly um, publish many things that no one was going to care about from the audience, you know. And my mentor uh, by that time really helped me. I'm very thankful to her. Her name is Danielle David. I'm very, very thankful to her because she kept on reminding me of why I made this film in the first place, which was the fact that I was not being able to communicate with my parents. Well, it was such an interesting and important choice to film when they didn't know they were being filmed because the whole thing is about taking off the mask. And it's true when people have a camera in front of them, they act even more. So I thought that that was an interesting choice, which is why I ask if your parents have actually seen the film. What is next for you and this film? I know this film won the Women Voices Now documentary creative category. Have you submitted this film to other festivals? Yes, uh, the film has toured in almost 26 film festivals, and we have won almost six awards, one of which uh, Women Voices Now. And I am trying to um, showcase this film more in the like MENA region, the Arab region, because it was, I did not, when I made this film, I did not expect it to resonate with the other side of the world. I thought that this was just going to happen, like people from the Arab world were only going to resonate to this. I did not know that this also happens in every and each person's home, like in the States or in Australia or in Canada. And like having people see the film and actually reach out to me and tell me that they resonated, despite the fact that they're not Arab, just put me in a position where I was in awe that, okay, that's why I, I started to actually believe that this film is, ha- talks about a very timeless um, topic. And so right now I'm just trying to um, spread it more in the Arab region because it still did not uh, showcase here as much as it should have. Because I know that it's going to like have a huge impact on the Arab world. Oh, definitely. And any place where especially women's voices have been silent or silent in their home and they're expected to play a certain role. But this film would resonate in any family because there are so many families, probably every family that has not only secrets, but children that don't want to confront their parents about certain things because no one is perfect. So when you're a child, you're looking up to these perfect parents for a while and then you start to see they have flaws like anyone else. Exactly. Exactly what you said. That's one of the reasons also why I called the perfect picture the perfect picture because it was a huge dilemma for me to accept that my parents are just parents. They're eventually human beings and they also are flawed. Because we are human at the end of the day, this was a very hard um, thing for me to accept and acknowledge that parents would not and cannot always be right. They don't always have the right choices. They don't always know what's right for you. Thank you so much for sharing this film with us. Now, I understand that you're also publishing a poetry book after this festival run. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about that. (laughs) I love writing. I writing is if I were to like just make because I'm currently working on my my first feature film. Um, 
it's it's also going to be a creative documentary but i personally would definitely love to just dedicate my life to writing because i'm an introvert and i'm also an overthinker and i'm someone who just is a highly sensitive person and i just have this huge emotional range of thoughts and experiences and there's this thing that i say that i constantly recycle um conversations and feelings and thoughts that i encounter on the daily and i i put them on paper because i constantly have this rush of and rush and need to express and empty myself on paper so i can persist through life and be able to continue because if i just leave everything in my head i'm going to die <laughs> or explode or you know So writing is very therapeutic to me, and um, I'm just looking for a publishing house right now um, in order to be able to publish my first po poetry book. That's wonderful. And any time frame on that? Should we expect to see it in 2024, 2025? That's, I'm going to take that as a challenge, and I'm going to take that as maybe a sign. Good. I would love that. Yes, I would because I'm I'm really working really really hard on this. I'm trying to like find my purpose in life and find what medium resonates with me more. So I've tried filmmaking and it's worked quite well for me. Poetry also works quite well for me, but I think sometimes you need to make a choice depending on what you're going through as an artist right now. Sometimes you can express yourself better through uh, making a film on a certain subject but sometimes you need to write about the subject because making a film would just not be enough you know absolutely well hala thank you so much for your time today and for your film and sharing it with the world and your experience it was just such uh, an incredible film thank you so so much diana thank you Alliance of Women Filmmakers is proud to partner with Women Voices Now to present this podcast. Women Voices Now uses film to drive positive social change that advances girls' and women's rights globally. For more information about Women Voices Now, visit womenvoicesnow.org. To learn more about Alliance of Women Filmmakers, and other organizations that Alliance of Women Filmmakers partners with, please visit lawomensfest.com. Visionary Voices is produced by Diana Means with editing from Otaku Media. Visionary Voices is a production of Alliance of Women Filmmakers and made possible in part by a grant from the Department of Cultural Affairs. Our website, visionaryvoicespodcast.com. Yeah.